chains have been broke off your life. It's that somebody's been set free from addictions of the world and, and God has broke chains in your life. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Why don't you just lift your hands now and your voice to a living God and praise Him for what He's done. Praise Him to the Thank you for what you're doing. Lord, we love you today. We want to express our love and appreciation for your goodness and your mercy. Lord, you said you would bless us in this city. You'd bless us in the country. You'd bless us as we go out and when we come in. Lord, you're, in a, you're a God that wants to bless your people. Even in a time of famine, a time of trouble, and a time of high inflation in a time where people are losing their jobs and things are happening. Lord, in a time like that, Isaac stayed in the promise, stayed in the land, and he went on and planted, didn't go down to Egypt, but then you blessed him a hundredfold in the time of drought. Lord, we thank you for those provisions. We're asking, Lord, that you'd anoint the word today, that you'd speak to hearts and lives and manifest your great glory in our midst today and as we read your word together may we rejoice in the God of our salvation Lord in the God of truth we thank you for it in Jesus name amen and amen praise the Lord God bless you amen I can tell you're ready to have church we got a good start already with you worshiping the Lord together Thank you, and we so appreciate God speaking to us today already in songs of, of victory. Amen. And I, I believe that the church is a victorious church, and she is to be without spot or wrinkle as promised. And um, if you look with me to Genesis chapter 18, we're going to read from the 10th verse. Then I want to pick up in the book of Joel again as... Um, I borrow a title today from Brother Branham's. He called it the restoration of the bride tree. You may not know this, but he tells this as he preaches, said, I got this thought this morning from when Brother Neville was preaching. 
And he said that this thought came to me, and he said, so I'm preaching on it this evening. Amen. He gave us about a three-hour sermon on the restoration of the bride tree. So he, you know, he received a thought from the Lord that was delivered by Brother, um, Brother Neville as he preached under inspiration. And, and of course, we're still operating under that same inspiration. Just as Elisha followed the ministry of Elijah, so we continue as, as believers to, to uh, walk into that double portion of the promise of God. Um, I'm going to be speaking in a, in a service or two on um, God willing on the Sarah and the latter rain. So I've got some things there that I want to bring uh, to you as far as what God is doing in this hour, in this time. But I wanted to finish up some thoughts this morning that I've had and, and uh, before we go into that. So uh, we're just going to look back at the book of Genesis chapter 18 and verse 10. And he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah, thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door, which was behind him. Then Joel chapter 2, verse 23, we will read from there. Joel chapter 2, verse 23, be glad then, ye children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God. See, we had a right to rejoice and be glad today. Amen. For he hath given you the former rain moderately, and he will cause to come down for you to the rain, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. And the floors shall be full of wheat, and the fat shall overflow with wine and oil. And I will restore to you the years that the locust has eaten, the canker worm, the caterpillar, the palmer worm, my great army which I sent among you. And ye shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God that it dealt wondrously with you, and my people shall never be ashamed. And ye shall know that I am in the midst of Israel, and that I am the Lord your God and none else, and my people shall never be ashamed. See, we're going to know it because he's the God that restores. So when he restores, you know, he said, I'm going to give abundance. You're going to overflow. I believe we're in the hour, not just to be blessed now, but in the hour of the overflow. Amen. Where God is uh, pouring out his spirit and manifesting himself in a great way. And it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days will I pour out my spirit. Now I want to turn to Isaiah chapter 61. And I'm just using these scriptures as a basis for where we're going today in this moment of restoration. And if I were you, you know, wherever I was, if you're in a, if you're in a physical need or a spiritual need or whatever else, I I would begin right now to realize that the God that we serve is a God who restores. Amen. He restores. He'll restore health to your body. He'll restore health to your marriages, to your homes, to your family, to the church, to your finances, whatever it is. 
So even though sometimes we may speak on uh, things that are being restored, I want you to realize it also has a practical uh, application as well to you and your life. And as you hear of God restoring, then you look at to say to God, Lord, as you're pouring out the overflow, as you're pouring out the blessings, as you are giving the increase, I want to be a part of that increase. I've got a need in my life. And you said I will restore. So I've been robbed. I've been, you know, something's been taken from me. But now I am going to claim that which is mine. And so the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach the good tidings to the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. Look at this restoration. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Let me just stop for a moment. This acceptable year is not an actual year like 365 days, but it is a a time of, of jubilee. It's actually acceptable year is a time of jubilee of God's restoration to his people. So the first part of this will refer to his first coming where Jesus took the book and he opened this scripture. And of course, it still um, unfolds into this day where that anointing is here to bind up, to heal, to deliver. It's an anointing upon the church as he finishes up the great work of God. But in its second part, it adds the day of vengeance of our God. And all that mourn will be comforted for even the dead of seven ages will rise. So, you know, the last things that Paul said concerning the coming, he said, now take these words and comfort those, comfort one another with these words. Amen. So again, this is a, a, a proclamation, the day of vengeance, the acceptable Lord, a day of the Lord, and the, the day of vengeance to comfort all that mourn, to appoint to them that mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning. Look at this restoration. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness that they might be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. And they shall build the old waste and shall raise up the former desolations, and they shall repair the waste cities, the desolations of many generations. God bless you. can be seated. Thank you, Lord, for this wonderful word of life. Amen. I tell you every word, you ought to just hang your soul on it this morning. Amen. To realize this is our God prophesying of what he will do in this last day as he finishes up redemption. If this was true in the first part of redemption, it's it's just even more true here as he finishes up redemption. Now, so again, um, looking here, as he said, they will build up the old waste, and they shall raise up former desolations. They shall repair the waste cities, the desolations of many generations. You see, the restoration of neglected, forgotten truths, the desolations of many generations. Now, in our Genesis reading, there was a prophecy lying in the uh, historical account of this age-barren woman. 
receiving a promise and becoming fruitful by restoration. And remember, it's, um, it's, a, it's a God that, that says there's nothing too hard for me. This is, had reached a point of hopelessness in her barrenness. And she's now 90 years old. It's past barren, way past. And yet um, she has been set aside and abandoned and desolate. She will not be a part of Abraham's tree, it looks like. Instead, um, Hagar, a bondswoman, an Egyptian slave girl, a type of denomination is thought to be the bride tree the fruitful branch of the Abrahamic race. But here the angel's visit is to assure Sarah that I will restore, saith the Lord. And the message of restoration of which Sarah is one of the types is the theme of this last day. Um, He will restore a church to everything that was lost. In Joel's prophecy, he likens her to a tree or some planting of the Lord that has been stripped by four different insects or, shall I say, four stages of the same bug. But now God had planted a church on the day of Pentecost, and he had a church like he wanted it. And the restoration of the bride tree, Brother Branham told us, now let's picture it. He said, I want you to get first a picture of God's big tree, what he had in the beginning. Because if we're going to be restored, we need a picture of what was lost and what the tree used to look like before it got eaten down. So let's picture a big tree of God's Big, uh, God's tree is bearing nine spiritual gifts. Notice it is a fruitful tree bearing nine spiritual gifts. They're healing the sick. They are speaking in tongues. They are casting out devils. They are doing great works. They are preaching the unadulterated word of God. No denomination to tie them down. They're free doing a great work. This is a church that Brother Branham looked back and he said, let's picture it. Let's see what it once looked like so we can know what the end time bride tree is going to look like. It'll bear nine spiritual gifts. They're healing the sick. They're speaking in tongues. They're casting out devils. They're doing great works. They're preaching the unadulterated word. No denominations to tie them down. They're free. They're doing a great work. Now, this is the picture of God's bride tree. It's a fruitful branch. Jesus said, the branches within the vine, within his vine, they must be a fruitful branch, bringing forth much fruit. And the branches that don't bear fruit, he says, are not in me. If you, if you see a branch and it's not bringing forth fruit, uh, then it's not in me. And so he said, well, my life isn't flowing through them or otherwise it would be a fruit bearing branch. You see, then they are withered and, and, uh, and will be gathered to be burned in the fire. Now, again, Brother Bradham told us that if God brought forth his first branch out of that vine, if it was a Pentecostal branch with power, visions, revelations, healings, sanctification, Holy Spirit, the next branch will be the same. 
Amen. Certainly will. Every time that vine puts forth a branch, it'll be exactly like the one that was at the first place. So God planted a church on the day of Pentecost, but there came devourers from Satan to eat it down. And it is shown in the first church age as a white horse rider, an antichrist spirit to close up and to seal up the promises of the book from the people. And it rides to the end, morphing from one stage to another, conquering and devouring the church. Remember this, the bride is a supernatural people. And to be the bride, it requires a supernatural birth. Otherwise, it is not in the vine. And the flow of life of the vine is not in it. Again, Brother Brandon said, I'm just an old-fashioned backwoods preacher that believes in old-time, heartfelt, sky-blue, sin-killing religion. That's right, that believes it the old-fashioned way. I believe a man that when he's born again, he becomes the son of God. The supernatural power of God dwells in him. We have a supernatural God. We have a supernatural life. I believe that any man that's born of the supernatural spirit believes in the supernatural. We got a supernatural resurrection. We have a supernatural heaven. We have a supernatural rapture. I believe the whole thing is built around supernatural. And if a man is born in the spirit of God, he believes in the supernatural. He can't help it. Because he's a son of God. And that's the reason we got so many old cold, formal, indifferent, God-forsaken, backslidden churches. Because men and women are not born of the spirit of God. They have no taste of God. They know, know nothing about God. All they know about is theology. And that's the reason you can't get them to believe a thing. That's exactly right. You've got to get the man right in his heart first before he can believe. He's got nothing to believe on. He ain't got nothing to believe with. So you see, again, we, we must real, realize that it starts then with a life coming out of the vine itself. You see, even the church today is supposed to be like the original church at Pentecost with the power of God, Mark 16 in action. And that is it, church that Jesus claims as his own. Now, of course, we know what the original root was. Look at John 15 and 5. He says, uh, the, he speaks of the original root. He said, I am the vine and you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth more, much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. It's important, you know, to be born of the vine because without him, you can be nothing. Amen. So now, of course, in the book of Romans, Paul would use the, um, the, the parable or the analogy or the type of um, the olive tree to represent Israel. And because of unbelief, branches were broken off. And God allowed the Gentiles as a wild olive branch then to be grafted in. And so in the same manner, Christ was the root of the gospel. And Christ, the vine, put out its first branch, and that was on the day of Pentecost. And the Holy Ghost wrote a book of Acts through that branch. 
And now, I want you to understand, this was not the acts of the apostles, nor was it the acts of men, but it was the acts of the Holy Spirit in the apostles. So when we are speaking of another book of Acts, we are not talking about the acts of men. Amen. We are not talking about their flaws and their failures. We are talking about the Holy Spirit and his acts. Amen. We're not going to repeat the book of Acts with all its bitterness and its quarrels and its fussing and its unbelievers and its, and its divisions and, and all of these other things with its Ananias and Sapphira like that in that sense. We are going to repeat the book of Acts because it'll be the Holy Spirit in a church, operating in that church, moving in that church, flowing in that church, becoming the branches of that vine, bearing his life, bearing his fruit. Remember, I want you to remember, God has promised Christ is putting forth another branch in this last day, a restored tree. That's why I've said, I mean, why don't you get ready to be restored also? Amen. Even as an individual, come on. Even as just a member of the body, why don't you get, expect to have restoration in your own life, in your own family, for your own needs? This is a day of his blessings. This is a day of the overflow. This is a day where full joy is here. Full victory is here. Full power is here. The fullness of the Holy Ghost, the Son of Man, revealing himself. The same Christ of yesterday being the Christ of today. Now, as Abraham was the root of the Jews and the branches was broken off because of unbelief and for rejecting the Messiah. And the Gentiles then as a wild olive branch was grafted in. Even so, the original branch was cut off from Christ. And the early church died in its first love, its fervency, its power, and grafted in its place was the first church of Rome. Amen? The Catholic Church. Who lived off the words of Christ. And I want you to know that lived off the words of Christ. They didn't even write a new Bible. They took the words of the Bible. And they were living off of that and using that for their own purpose. Notice this. Took on on the name of being the church of Jesus Christ. But the fruit it bore was nothing like the first branches at Pentecost. Nothing like it. In, the, in time, other, in, in fact, you know, as Brother Aaron did so well on his, his uh, teaching on the church ages, you know, it, what, what it looked like, it looked more like pagan Rome than it did the day of Pentecost. Right? It began to have its Hail Marys and, and the mother of God and, you know, all these goddesses and gods and the trinity of gods and saints to worship and all of these other things. It began to look more like, like paganism and satanic move than it began to look like the book of Acts. And you see, again, the, the Catholic Church 
was living off the words of Christ, took on the name of being the church of Jesus Christ, but the fruit it bore looked nothing like the first branch at Pentecost. So you get dealing with something grafted in because it's not matching the original root and the original branch. You know, in time, there would be branches of Baptist or Lutheran or Methodist or of Zusa Street. Now, 40,000 other denominations have been grafted in. So now the tree looks just like Brother Branham shared the thought of what he saw at John Sherritt's place. Where, you know, a fruit tree, you know, with varieties of fruit. You know, he was... He was there on his farm and he sees this fruit tree with that's an orange tree and it has oranges and grapefruits and lemons and tangerines and all other kinds. It was an orange tree with all other kinds of branches of of citrus varieties that had been grafted in. These, These branches were living off the life of the original orange tree. And he said to Brother Sherrod, I, I suppose next year these branches will produce oranges. They won't produce lemons and grapefruits and whatever. He said, no. He said, that's not true. He said, they, next year they will produce again tangerines and grapefruits and whatever because they're living off the life of the orange tree, but there is no change of their nature Amen. So therefore, they're producing other kinds of fruits. Amen. Than what the original tree was. And he said, well, when will the tree produce oranges again? And he said, when it puts out another branch. And when it puts out another branch, the root there will then bear an orange tree branch. And it will produce oranges like the original root. Now, so how did all this get in? How come we got all these different varieties of Christianity? How come we got all these different kinds of fruits that you look upon them and some are sweet and some are sour and some are, you know, this and some are that and, you know, but they're, they're nothing like what was on the day of Pentecost. You see, you see, the way that happens is you just split the tree. Notice uh, almost every one of these movements came out of a split. Amen. Here the Antichrist comes in with his, with his bloody sword and he splits the tree. And there plants in it another branch. And now we got in, in Christianity, instead of orange tree fruit, now we have Another lemon, grapefruit, tangerine, different varieties. Uh, have your way, Christianity. Whatever flavor you want, it's all citrus, it's all Christian. Now, so you see, that's exactly what happens when churches are grafted into Christ, such as are tried to, supposed to be. Uh, you know, slid in there by name, calling themselves the churches of Christ. And what do they bring? Denominational fruits. So you look at their fruit. Of course, a Baptist branch brings forth Baptist fruits. 
A Presbyterian branch produces Presbyterian fruits. You know, how did this happen? When men split the tree and grafted in a denominational branch. Now, if, but however, I'm, I'm just going to share you some snippets and things from Brother Branham over and over and over again because I want to belabor the point. I want, I want, you, to, I want you to see it from every different direction and from time after time where Brother Branham is, is declaring. You know, because you, you can build a doctrine on just one quote. Amen. Just, just think of all the quote you took is Matthew 28, 19. That's, that's, that's all the quote they take. They don't take all the other quotes of Acts chapter 238, of Acts 19, of Acts 10, and all down through the Bible where they baptize in the name of Jesus Christ. So they isolate one quote and build a whole church on it. Now, so again, we, but we, we want to do we want to be able to look at it now time on time on time as Brother Branham. And why Brother Branham? Because he's the seventh angel to whom the message comes to from Jesus Christ. Amen. Seven stars in the hand of Jehovah. Seven churches representing seven ages. Seven, seven messengers to seven ages. That's why we're referring to him. If that branch ever brings forth another limb, it'll be like the first one was. But let me tell you, brother, if the Holy Ghost is real in the church today, the kind of church it had that wrote the book of Acts behind it, if the church of the living God, the church of Jesus Christ, become again alive by the same Holy Spirit that fell on the day of Pentecost, it'll write a book of Acts behind it, right? It'll be persistent and persevering until the things come along. And that's why we want to be persistent and persevering. We're not giving up until the tree looks like the original one, till it bears all the same fruits, the same nine spiritual gifts, the same Holy Ghost, the same power of God. Come on, church. We're going to be a persistent church. We're pursuing after it. Now you look at the tree. And all around it is broken off and withered, dead or dying branches to be gathered for the burning trial of tribulation. I ran into a woman that used to be the teller at the bank that we used in Homer. She's 80-something years old. And she, I met her in the grocery store. She knows I'm a pastor, and she says, Brother Tim, we're meeting together from different denominations, and we met in a certain place the other day, about 40 of us, and we're praying, and we're trying to get, you know, everybody in cooperative because our churches are dying. Said our members are going away, and we're trying to do something there to, to revitalize our church. You see, you see, you look at it all around the tree, it's broken off and withered, dying branches. Amen, because God's been doing some pruning in this day. He's declaring, amen, that I, of who is his. So he comes through and he said, this is not a fruitful branch. Oh yeah, it's got lemons on it, but that's not what I planted. 
Oh yeah, it's got tangerines on it, but that's not what I planted. That's not what the original church is. And God prunes off everything. That's why he says, come out of her, my people. Because this is the day of pruning. Because in order for the fruit, the tree to be a fruitful branch, all of these things that are sapping the energy has to be cut off. Because they're just sap suckers. Now, why is God doing this? Because he said, I will restore, saith the Lord. And because of unbelief, because of wrong fruit, and the rejection of the word, God has broke them off. And he's now bringing forth the branch out of the root. And this branch is exactly like the original branch that came on the day of Pentecost and is bearing the same axe and the fruit of the root. And any branch that is not bearing the fruit of Pentecost is being pruned from the vine. Now, I want you to even think that about your own personal life. Because if it doesn't have the fruit of Pentecost, you're going to be pruned off. And let me tell you a little something else. If you have been fruitful, God's not satisfied with that. He's going to purge you so you'll bring forth more fruit. Amen. Come on now, church. This is what he's doing by the Holy Spirit, purging, separating you from sin, from parasites of the world. Amen. He has sprayed you with a spray. Brother Bradham called it a DDT. And he said he sprayed it. He sprayed it there to keep the bugs off of you. He said it's a repellent, a predestination. Hallelujah. Because God is determined. I'll have a church and fill me without spot or wrinkle. Now, so you see, Jesus said in St. John 15, the branch that did not bear fruit would be cut off. And it would wither. And that's where our denominations today are being pruned off. But not just a denomination. Any person will be cut off and wither. Only the fruit bearing, the kind that bears the fruit, the works of the Holy Ghost, will be able to continue in the vine. Brother Branham tells about this. Let me just share a couple of these right here. He said, you farmers, you Texans, Louisianians, so now we're talking to you. And many, and what you've been, what you may be here, anyone that's got common sense. So maybe I got you that time. <laughs> Ever seen a vine grow? knew that the, that the vine does not bear the fruit. But, it, but the branches of the vine is what bears the fruit. And it gets the life from the vine. Jesus is our resource of life. Yeah, you you see, he he had to differentiate between what bears the fruit. Because if you're just looking for Jesus to do it, when he comes back, oh, we'll have miracles. When he comes back, oh, we'll have divine healing. Oh, when he comes back, you know, in heaven, you don't need divine healing and miracles in heaven. We need them right here. Amen. And so, therefore, there has to be branches that is bearing the fruit. 
now he said, the life that's in that vine is in the branch. And if that vine puts forth the first branch, a bunch of grapes comes forth from it. If it ever puts forth another branch, it'll be a bunch of grapes. It'll put forth another branch. It'll be a a bunch of grapes. It'll be the same kind of branch on the end of the vine. Oh, God. Every time that vine puts forth a branch, it'll be like the first branch. Why? Because the life that's in the vine will put forth the same kind of branch. If the first branch brought forth grapes, the next won't bring forth pumpkins. The next won't bring forth citrus fruit. Then then on a while, it it won't do it. But if the true vine puts forth a branch, and if Jesus is the vine, and the branch that brought forth the real Pentecostal church, and it wrote a book of Acts with signs and wonders following the believer. If that real true vine brings forth another branch, they'll write a book of Acts behind it. Amen. Praise the Lord. That's why he says, if that vine, I'm going to share some of the snippets. If that vine ever puts forth another branch, it'll be a Pentecostal branch that'll write a book of Acts behind it. He goes on to say, and and I want to keep you in mind now, we're not talking about repeating Azusa Street. Amen. That's not the Pentecostal branch we're talking about. That was another graft that came from a split. Are you with me? Amen. Let me tell you, we are not born of a split. We are born of the word. Get the difference now, church. We are people that have been born of a supernatural birth. Born out of the vine itself. Amen. Not another denomination. Now, there... There are those that are bearing those kind of fruits, but that's not who the bride is. The the first branch that came forth was a Pentecostal branch filled with Pentecostal power, so impacted by the Holy Spirit till they staggered under the impact of the power of God. They went forth and saw visions, performed miracles, opened the eyes of the blind, healed the sick. Joy was in the camp. They prayed in one accord and all of them together until the building shook where they were assembled. And, and then he said, when the church buried itself in Jesus, it produced a Pentecostal church. And if that first branch come out of the vine Pentecostal, every branch will have to be like the first one. We've got to get back to the Pentecostal experience. Again, he says, where the first vine come forth, the first vine out that came forth out of the vine was a Pentecostal branch, visions, powers, healing, baptism of the Holy Ghost, great signs and wonders. The next branch will have to be the same kind of branch. Hallelujah. Why am I going through this? I want you to get a picture of what you're being restored to. Sarah, I don't want you seeing yourself as an old withered old woman bringing Jesus back to the earth again. That kind of woman is not going to reproduce Christ. But it's a woman that has been restored to her original condition. Back to health again. Hallelujah. This has got to change your thinking, your mindset. 
got to blow out your old thinking of what you thought you should be. And look here what God said you're going to be. Sometimes I look at ourselves and I say, how can we ever be that? But God said it. That's all I know. And nothing's too hard for God. That's what Sarah wondered. How will this be? You know, I, you know, how can this be? You know, you just laugh within herself. And he said, is there anything? Oh, if I could get that down in your heart this morning about your situation, about your family, about the restoration that is taking places in lives and hearts and realize I don't care how far away, how impossible it may have seemed. Come on, church. Amen, that your situation and no situation is too hard for this God of ours. If he could take an old, decrepit, forgotten woman and restore her to health again, he can restore your life to health. He can take a backslidden church and fill it with the Holy Ghost, set it on fire for God. Amen. This ought to change your ambition. Some young men, some people, I have this ambition. I'm making lots. I'm gonna make lots of money. I'm gonna be a, the best drug lord there is. I'm gonna be the the greatest. The greater he is, the greatest. And that's your ambition. What a low, devilish ambition to take their life and use it to destroy others. Ruin home, wreck marriages, ruin little children. Come on. God's wanting to change your mind. You weren't predestinated for destruction. You were predestinated to life. That's why you're here this morning. Not to die, but to live. He is the vine and we are the branches. This church should be another Pentecostal church filled with the Holy Ghost dominated by the Spirit of God. Brother Branham in his prayer, Lord, if the first church, first branch that came forth out of that vine was a Pentecostal branch filled with the Holy Ghost, signs and wonders and fruits of the Spirit hanging on that vine and the branch, the second branch comes forth, it'll have to be a Pentecostal branch if it comes out of that same vine. Oh, Lord, may men and women realize that and come back to a true Pentecostal experience of being born of the Holy Ghost and believing in the supernatural workings that God has promised that his spirit would do in our midst. Hallelujah. Again, if God brought forth his first branch, out of that vine was a Pentecostal branch with power, visions, revelation, healing, sanctification, Holy Spirit, the next branch will be the same. See how he say this over and over and over. Here's his expectation. Can I say it to you? Here's what's prophesied over you. Hallelujah. Amen. This is what's prophesied over you. What I read you in the Bible of Sarah and Joel. Come on, church. Amen. What Jesus said and, and what Isaiah said, all of these scriptures, what I was reading to you, it's been prophesied over you. 
When the vine itself puts forth the branch, it'll be a Pentecostal branch full of the Holy Ghost doing the same signs and wonders that they did in the beginning. Well, my church don't believe in that. It wasn't so at the beginning. My church don't believe in shouting. It wasn't so at the beginning. My church don't believe in speaking in tongues. It wasn't so at the beginning. Then at the beginning was a Pentecostal church. And he's the vine, we are the branches. Every time that vine brings forth a church, it'll be a Pentecostal church, Pentecostal branch. Same thing it was at the beginning. We got a bunch of churches that call themselves Christian churches, but they bear the marks of theology and organization. That's their fruits. But if the Pentecostal vine that made a Pentecostal church ever puts forth another Pentecostal branch, it'll be like it was at the beginning. That's exactly right. If Jesus Christ appears in the church, he'll be the same as he was back there. It won't bear lemons or grapefruits. It'll bear oranges. If it's an orange tree and it'll put forth its branches, it's not to be an organization. It'll not be denomination. It'll be Christ. That vine that brings forth another branch, it will be a... Pentecostal branch with signs following the believers right back to the original. Brother Branham labors these points all the way to the seals. And even in the, even in the third seal, he says, Joel said, I will restore all the years, everything that Rome ate up, everything the Methodists eat up, everything the Baptists ate up, and, uh, and, and that original branch, I'll restore it in the last days. He comes right along and he said, you know, we, we all have the commonality of being Christian like a citrus. But he says, you got a fruit, but what do you do with it? You have a form of godliness and deny the power thereof. You deny signs, you deny wonders, you deny the Holy Ghost, you deny speaking in tongues, you deny visions, you deny prophecies, you deny healing. You call yourself a name, no wonder the Holy Ghost said, a power of a group of people full of blasphemous names. Sure, calling themselves Christians with form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. So now, what form is he here? If we would look for Jesus today, would you look for a man with nail scars? Would you look for a long robe and long hair and come walking in this building and, you know, and nail scars on his hands and feet and say, I'm Jesus? That's not how he's here. He is here in the form of the Holy Ghost. Let me get it clear to you while we're there. You will never see Jesus this side of the rapture like that. Now, I'm, I'm not saying you can't have a vision. I'm talking about the physical of Jesus Christ. You will never see Jesus like that until the meeting in the air. Until then, he is here in the form of the Holy Ghost. His spirit is not a second person of the Trinity or the third. It is the person. The spirit that was in the body of Jesus returned to the church on the day of Pentecost and there he, he divided himself and gave each one of you a portion. So in this building, there's not one Jesus. There's hundreds of Jesuses sitting right here where God's possessing his people. So how will we know him? How will we know him? This is a 64 quote. He says... He said, the vine energizes the branch. 
And as the branch ever brings forth, or the vine brings forth a branch and has grapes on it, the next vine comes out or a branch out of that vine will have grapes on it. If the first church that came out of that vine was a Pentecostal church with all the gifts, That's right. so, oh, at the seals it changed. No, at the seals it's opened. Amen. Amen. All the book is made available. Stop there just for a moment. Sometimes people look at there and say, well, Brother Tim, you know, you're trying to emphasize tongues or you're trying to emphasize gifts or you're trying to emphasize shouting or you're, listen, huh? I'm just saying that's in the book. Hallelujah. It's just, it's just as much in the book as all the mysteries. Hallelujah. What about the mystery of speaking in tongues? You ought to experience it. What about the mystery of healing? You ought to have it. What about the mystery? Come on, church. I'm working on miracles. It ought to be in the church. God has opened the book, and it's a full gospel. Not a partial. All of it's there. Now, He said, if the first church that came off the vine was a Pentecostal church with all the gifts that was, if that ever really puts forth another branch, they'll write a book of Acts behind it. And what they had in the days of apostles and the apostolic age never ended. You are in the apostolic age. It's still going on. Now bring it down to your life. Bring it right down to you personally, individually now, as a part of the body. I want you to get this. Now we're speaking to the individual. You know there's storms that are coming. Amen. But, oh, aren't you glad there's a hiding place? Amen. A blessed hiding place in his Christ. But now as you think of that blessed hiding place from wrath, remember there's no two hiding places. Just one. You might be a member of some church. Can't hide from the devil there. He'll get you. Amen. We don't have nothing evil to say about church going. Go on to church. But if that's all you have and your life isn't compared with the book of Acts, hmm, if the Holy Spirit that you profess is not making you live like they did in the book of Acts and your life could write another book, you better take warning. If the first branch before the Pentecostal church, the second branch or vine or branch rather out of the vine will bring forth another Pentecostal church with a Pentecostal experience bearing the same fruits that the first church had. So now we bring it down. It's not just pulpit that needs to have the power of God. It's the pew that needs to have the power of God. Now we bring it down to you, the individual. You can hide in your seat in the church and say, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, it's there. There's power to move cancer. There's power there. Hey, you know, there's glory. Oh, they're they're shouting. There's this. But what about you? I want you to see not just the church planted by the rivers of living water, but yourself planted. 
I want you to see yourself as a fruit bearer. Because Jesus is very clear, we don't bear fruit. He said, now, if you're bearing fruit, he said, I'm going to purge you. So you'll bear more. God wants more fruit. Fruit is not enough for God. He wants more. Now, so the tree that God planted, it was to bear nine different, nine different fruits of the Spirit, nine different kinds, which means nine spiritual gifts, nine fruits of the Spirit to go with nine spiritual gifts. That was God's tree, and he planted it on the day of Pentecost, and David saw it, and he said, blessed is the man. Didn't we hear about Blessings. Come on, didn't we sing about this is your season? Blessed is the man. Amen. And he said, and this man shall be like a tree that is planted by rivers, plural, of living water, singular. Amen. Oh, my. Now, not just Methodist, Baptist, Presbyterian, Lutheran, whatever. No, rivers of one water. Nine spiritual gifts by the same spirit. Nine fruits of the spirit coming from the same channel. You will be like a tree. Again, the church will be like that, but you need to see yourself there. Why is God restoring? Because the bugs have eaten it down. You see, he was stripped of everything it had, all the power, all the joy, all the good things that God gave it on the day of Pentecost. They tore it out. What the palmer worm ate, the canker worm ate, and, uh, or what he left, uh, the canker worm ate, and, and then the, the Baptists took shouting away from the Methodists, and one ate this and one that, and they stripped the church down until they just got them sitting dead as a doornail. No spirit. And I'm quoting Brother Branham, no spirit, no shouting, no joy, no peace, no healing, no nothing. Don't let that describe your life. Don't let that describe your church. Amen. One eat this one away, one took that away, and one took that away. So, so if there is a restoration, and that was what was taken away, then the, then it, the church a restored church will have its shouting back, the joy back, the peace back, the healing back, the nine spiritual gifts back, the fruits of the spirit back, amen, the mysteries back, everything back. That's a restored tree. Don't call it restored and you just no snag. With no fruit on. Oh yeah, well we got a snag. You're dead twice and don't know it. Let me just say, if Luther restored justification back and Wesley restored back sanctification and Azusa restored, brought the restoration of the gifts. Now, let me say this. If they were restored, they must be in the church. Apostolic doctrine must be in the church. Paul's gospel has to return to the church. Again, Brother Bradham would tell us, he said, one took baptism out, one took joy out, one took the Holy Ghost out, one took healing out, one took gifts out. First thing you know, you ain't got no more than an old dead bleak bush. It's 
standing there, but under there somewhere, God reserved life coming on. God said, but there's still life in Christ. And he said, I'll have a church. Listen, we will not leave here defeated. Can't. If he said, I'll have a church without, that the gates of hell will not prevail against, we're going to have a church that Satan won't know what to do with. That Satan cannot prevail against it. Hallelujah. In other words, it won't wall off the promise of God from you. You're taking your land and there's walled cities. But those gates of hell will not prevail. Amen. Something's been held back from you. This is your season to be blessed. This is your season for the outpouring. This is a season for the fullness. Amen. And the the church, and as long as there's an earth here, God will have a church representing him. Hallelujah. Let me read that again. As long as there is an earth, is there an earth, then God will have a church representing him. Hallelujah. Amen. God will have a people. He'll have a fruitful branch. I will restore, saith the Lord, all the glory of the former days. I will restore what the canker worm left. I will restore healing. I will restore the Holy Spirit. I will restore joy. I will restore everything that the first church had. I will restore it again in the last days. And then he adds, and we're living in the last days. So you're in the season to be blessed. Hallelujah. Remember the burnover forest that Brother Branham saw out hunting? They reminded him of old dead churches groaning with their high spires up there. They were just statues there. looked like a big graveyard and tombstones. And there when the wind blew, they were groaning saying, days of miracles are past. No such thing as divine healing. And, And, you know, because... He said the palm worm ate all the blessings out of the church until there's no more hallelujahs. There's no more praises to God. There's no more divine healing, speaking with tongues. Oh, you can't say they're not churches, but the life has gone out of them. They're withered branch. What the Methodists left, the Baptists ate. What the Baptists left, the Presbyterians ate. What the, what the Presbyterians left, the Lutherans ate. Brother, they got it down, taking out healing. One took it out, speaking in tongues. One taking out all these other things till they ain't got nothing but a big old starchy thing that don't believe a thing, the Bible says. Now, that would be a bleak picture. But God showed him another group. He saw coming up underneath them. Some little bitty trees. Hallelujah. Amen. And he saw the same wind that was causing them to grow was causing these other to frolic. Hallelujah. They could bend and move in the spirit of God. And when the Holy Spirit moved, they moved with it. And they were just shouting and rejoicing. Oh, rejoice, oh church. Hallelujah. Amen. I will restore, saith the Lord. I want to say we're back. 
we are here. Amen. There is a restored free by a message of restoration. I want to say, Brother Branham, it wasn't in vain for you to come with a message of restoration. It's restored my life. It's restored families. It's restored churches. It's not in vain. Let me hear you, let you hear from the prophet's word. Let me tell you, brother, God's gonna raise up a generation of people out of all the dead stuff that's going to restore, saith the Lord. I can speak in tongues right now. God is gonna raise up people who will believe in signs and wonders. He's gonna raise up people who's got joy unspeakable and full of glory. And when the rusty mighty wind comes, it gives right to it and frolics and dances and glorifies God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. The bark, the bark, the true and correct doctrine has to be restored. It's important. As the bark is a lifeline or the sap, that the sap or the life of the tree flows through. The Bible is the lifeline that the spirit of God flows through, the word. So if the branches tore off the tree, we got to get the bark back. Amen. You know, you can't have fruit on the tree till you grow the bark. You know, all, all you have to do to kill the tree, you don't even have to cut it down. Just wring it all around. Strip the bark with a lifeline. Next thing you know, the leaves will wither. The praise will be gone. The clapping of the hands, the rejoicing. Come on, the tree begins to die and it doesn't bring forth fruit. And the scripture, God's holy Bible is a lifeline to any church. So we know the Bible is a lifeline. The word of God is a lifeline. You had to have the word restored. Not just shouting, not just dancing, not just, no, you got to get the bark back on the tree. We got to have the original bark. And the only way it can come back is when God grows it himself. Because men have tried to do it, and that's what Brother Branham taught us. He said, you know, they stripped the original doctrine, and then they put a rag of some denominational creed uh, of infant baptism or sprinkling or Father, Son, and Holy Ghost or, you know, all these other doctrines. And there, therefore, he said, but the Holy Spirit can't flow through the rag. This is, this is what's happened. You know, God gave us restoration in this day and, and put the bark on. But then we get, a, you know, this one coming out. He's going to be the apostles and he's going to have the thunders and he's going to be the next great man. And, you know, he strips the true bark off and, and then he puts a rag on. 
Then you have the Perus that comes along and they do the same thing. You know, they take away the original truth of the word of God and got to have a teacher now to bring clarity and, and whatever. And the next thing you know, they put a, a rag on it, but the Holy Spirit won't flow through it. That's why you can't have a book of Acts church. Amen. You got to come back to the original word. The original thing that the, the prophet of God preached that restored the word of God back to this age. Remember, only the, on the, only the power of God can grow it back to its original condition. When you have the lifeline that's been cut off, then you begin to lose the genuine fruits of patience and long-suffering goodness and meekness and gentleness. And the first thing you know, and let me just say, if there's something comes in your life that cuts the lifeline of the Holy Spirit, it won't be no time you'll lose your joy, your peace, your gentleness, your patience, your brotherly kindness. And the next thing, you'll be falling off the tree dead. Faith. There must be a perfect faith. Brother Branham would tell us again, he said he wanted to eat the fruit of the faith off, faith in the word. Look how many times it's been translated. This is what he wants to do to you. He wants to come along, you know, with, with some worm on a, on, on a, some worm of a Jebusite on a website. Take your faith away from the word of God, from the message of the hour. You know, I mean, sit around and try to pick out flaws of, you know, why he couldn't be the real prophet. You know, he had too many human flaws. You telling me our prophet was human? I say, amen. He sure wasn't God. You say he didn't learn. He didn't increase in knowledge. Come on, he was a man. You got to understand God used a man, a man declared it. Amen, and, and many will not believe because a man declared it. So then they try to make him God, and he wasn't God. But he wants to eat the fruit of faith. He wants to cast doubt on the message, get you to where you can see a flaw. You know, that's what he wants to do even the church. He wants to point out the flaws in the ministry. He wants to show you how human they are how they don't always make the right move. You know how, how that they, you know, that, that they, they are not, they're just not perfect people. You know, if you're trying to tell me that I'm not God, I'm not. I'll help you out. Amen. I, you know, I know I'm not God. No preacher is God. Come on. We're humans, but God takes the foolishness of preaching. Amen. And uses the man of God to speak under inspiration and to lead the church. But anyway, Satan wants to, he wants to cast doubt on you. He said another one they ought to ate off of, and we've been through some of these, but let me just pick it up briefly. Another, he said they ate off the leaves, which was joy, the joy of salvation. Shh. You people make too much noise. Uh 
gets to a point that they don't even want rejoicing in the, in the congregation, don't want no amens and hallelujahs and glory to God. Brother Brandon said, that's how I can see the Spirit is moving. Amen. You, and you know what he said? I had an old dog, he said, that wouldn't get after a skunk. But he said, if I patted him a little bit and said, sick him, boy, he'd go get after that stinker. Come on, amen. You know, it ain't just preaching alone. It's the congregation responding back, pulling on the gift of God, amen, drawing from the fountain, bringing down the anointing. Amen. We need to hear sicken boy. Go get that devil. You got him on the run, get him, tan his hide. Tear him up. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. David cried. Notice this little palmer worm began to eat the joy out. You people make too much noise. I can tell you all this crying, this saying amen, this shouting, that nonsense. There's nothing to it. And the first thing you know, it's like a, a lot of message churches sitting around like in a big morgue. All of them dead. All the way from the pulpit to the back pew. Listen, whatever you want, you want your preacher anointed. Amen. You want somebody that can find the flow of the Spirit and be anointed by the Holy Ghost and speak the word of life. Amen. Because otherwise the church will just have cold creeds pumped into them until, until they're 40 below zero. Somebody say amen, and everybody stretched their neck looking around. Who in the world is that, you know, like a goose and becomes a shame? You know, dean of a Lutheran college, and don't don't tighten up on me now as I go down this road here because I I got a point to go. A, A dean of a Lutheran college asked Brother Branham about those who shout and scream and kick out window lights said, I've been all around and I've seen them kick over the tables and knock over chairs and turn and tear up the furniture and fall on the floor. He said, what is that? And Brother Branham answered, the Holy Ghost. How many blasphemers out of there? Brother Branham said, the Holy Ghost. And he said, yeah. yeah. I, I, he said, the Holy Ghost. He said, yeah. They're blowing their steam all out the whistle instead of putting it together and making the wheels roll. See, if you'd ever get them to stop down to place and put some of that power in the steam and the valves and make it push the cart and, and have signs and wonders and miracles and great fire on soul like that moving out, it'd do something, but they want to blow it out all out the whistle. And that's just all there is to it. It's, it's good enough to show they got steam anyhow. He said if they just knew how to put it to work, they shout it all out and they scream it all out. He said they're full of fire. They're full of the Holy Ghost. And they don't know how to settle it down on the word that says, it's thus saith the Lord. And they blow it all out, the whistles and screams and shouts and runs. If you could ever bottle it down, you'd see a church stand on her feet in power and glory. There'd be a book of Acts wrote behind it. They take it out in joy instead of power, faith. Hold that there and believe it. It's God's word. Stay with it. 
Notice what he said. If you can only get that thing in operation, the enthusiasm moving out yonder to win souls, it conquered the world. Therefore, I think, here's what he says. Are you ready for this? I think even where we would call ourselves Pentecostals has failed to represent the real thing that Christ has set forth to represent, for us to represent. The Holy Spirit and the life of the Spirit. See, we represent sometimes sensations. We represent joy, and that's good, but there's more to it than that. There's a fruit that goes with it, that hungry man that is looking for this fruit of the Spirit, and this is a quality that was in Jesus. Since they got plenty of steam, they'd make the wheel they'd make the wheel roll and do something, but they'd blow it all out the whistle, you see. If they just put it down here, put it down here, they'd have signs and wonders and miracles and everything, but they don't know what to do with it. It's got to go somewhere, so they just scream it out or blow it out. Listen to it now. Hmm. I'd rather be blowing it out than holding it and not have any steam to blow out, wouldn't you? Like the old fellow said, I'd like to have a little wildfire than no fire at all. So he said if this Pentecostal church would take a lot of its praises and put it to work, it would do something for the kingdom of God. God gave you the Holy Ghost. You'd like to shout by it, praise by it. But just put it in the gifts and wonders and go out in the street, get the sinners to come in, things like that. Your church will grow and everything will go right along. Don't blow it out the whistle. Put it into action. Make the wheels roll the gospel train. Hallelujah. Can you still say amen? But I just want to say, some of you have been bound up so long that you just now got where you can even blow it out with steam and shout. And that's okay. Scream, shout, run, dance the aisles, blow the whistles. You have steam. Hallelujah. I'm glad there's steam. I can feel the fire burning. Amen. I can feel the Holy Ghost moving. I can feel it bubbling up on the inside of me. Hallelujah. Steam. Hallelujah. It can make me dance the aisles, shout and run the aisles and scream the glories of God. But it's also to be put to work. Let the Holy Ghost take you. Like that woman sitting on the, on the front row in Brother Bradham's meeting and watched a young mother with a sick baby looking for a seat. Amen. And she, she there, she watched her looking for a seat, walking back and forth, trying to get a seat where she could get her baby prayed for. And a burden came upon her. Oh, oh my. I, 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 I know Brother Bradham's going to pray for that baby, but here there's something moving for me to pray for that baby. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll give her my seat. So I called over and she called her and said, listen, listen, you, you, mother, you can have my seat, but let me do something. Said, you know, there's a, something burning here. Something burning here. It's a fire. She's not shouting, screaming. 
something's burning here. And said, uh, you know, I just feel in my heart, would you mind me praying for that baby? You know, I, and, and, and she said, no, please do pray for the baby. Gave her a seat. She took a seat way up in the balcony. The prayer line come along, and Brother Branham said to her, said, your baby's already been healed. Said that woman way up yonder in the top up there prayed for your baby, and God's already healed that child. Hallelujah. Why? Because a woman put the work of the Holy Spirit. She didn't scream it out, shout it down. She put it to work. Amen. I say, let us shout. Let us dance. Let us blow the whistle. But let's put it to work. That's got to be men of prayer, women of prayer, young people with conviction, witnessing on the job at school, people led by the Spirit, the old dreaming spiritual dreams, the young seeing visions. If you got enough steam, enough to shout, put it in a gear and drive down to deliverance. <laughs> Hallelujah. Do you hear what I said? Put it down and put it in gear. You feel it burning, put it in gear, drive down to deliverance. Go past the railroad crossing of doubt. Blow your whistle when you cross and say, unbelief, you don't get in my way. I'm going through, Jesus. Yes, I'm going through. Blow your whistle. Unbelief, you're not stopping me. I'm not stopping for you. I can blow my whistle. Get out of the way, devil. Get out of the way, gates of hell. Hallelujah. It's okay, it's okay to come to the crossroad of depression and blow the whistle, shouting, rejoicing, saying, devil depression, you will not stop me. Suicide spirit, you will not hinder me. You demon of pornography, I'm not stopping for you. I'll blow right through. I'll, I'll blow that whistle. Oh, I can feel the, the steam coming. I can feel the church moving down the track. Amen. I see her moving to divine healing. I see her moving to the power of God. Hallelujah. Steam come up in a little cancer-ridden woman, and she ran around this building. Amen. What was she doing? Honking her horn. I'm delivered. I'm set free. Hallelujah. Sister Ruth Wilson there. Come down with cancer. But did it stop her? No. We're honking our horn this morning. Saying we got another cancer one. Delivered. Sister Danette, same thing. No more cancer. We're driving through the crossroads and cancer said, I'll stop the church. It can't stop the church. We'll blow our horn. We'll rejoice. We'll shout over the victory. 
I see young men and women and old men alike being filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You tell me we can't blow our horn about that. We got a right to give praise to God. you to quit blowing it out the whistle but I want you to know that power that you feel within you will heal the sick raise the dead, cast out devils speak with new tongues but don't just sit sidelined in your trap and go nowhere just blowing your horn say see I can blow my horn letting off the steam, shouting, screaming, but use that power to defeat the devil. I'm glad you sat down. Because that means I can preach some more. Peace of mind. There's another that was Adolf. Knowing you're saved. Knowing you're saved. How many people have been stripped of that peace? I got a promise for you that that day you shall know that I'm in the Father, the Father, me, and I in you. Why? I actually met him. It's no accepting by faith. You know, it is. The, the tree is peace of mind knowing that you're saved. You know, it's not joining a church and you know you're saved. You know, uh, Hail Mary like the Catholics say, or you got to have your name on this book. Well, that'd take all the joy out of it. You see, you know, you know Brother Branham's story about the mule. He said that he's a hybrid. He don't know who his pop and mama is. That's a problem with the many people on message pews today. They don't know who their papa and mama is. But a good pedigreed horse knows who his papa and mama is through the generation. And a real good pedigreed Christian that has the Holy Ghost, he knew it fell on the day of Pentecost, and he knows where it's at. He can trace his generations back, his genealogies to the first beginning of it. Peter had it on down to the nation of races. We, they've had it on down a good pedigreed Christian knows where it comes from. Amen. I tell you what, you just keep pressing on till you know. Mm-hmm. Well, then the locust come along and wants to destroy divine fellowship. That's right. You know, you didn't think it could happen in the message churches, but first thing you know, I'm Perugia, I'm Two Soul, I'm Seven Thunder, I'm this, I'm that. We got, you know, He's old Nazarene. This old guy's Pentecostal, you know. We have nothing to do with him. You know, have a meeting for healing the sick. Well, our church don't even believe that. See, it ain't the season for it. Oh, no. You're wrong. It's always in season. Amen. You know, so what did he do? He cut the fellowship off. Like I said, the canker worm took the took the bark off and first thing you know after he got them all dignified like we were talking about and he took the fellowship away from them form of a locust and now he comes along and their very religion and makes dogmas out of it the message is not a law the message is the grace of God living in your heart 
Amen. Somebody, but he wants to come and strip that away and take the, take the, the doctrine away. Brother Brandon said the bark is religion. And I just want to say any religion without emotion is dead. That's what your prophet taught. It's got to have the motion, the, the moving of the Holy Spirit through it. So then he said the canker worm, next thing it took away was the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Because if you have that Holy Ghost, it's going to shed light on the word. So again, the first revelation that you must have is to know who Jesus is. When you know who he is, he does like he did to Peter and thou art Peter. Amen. He reveals to you who you are. Hallelujah. Amen. So there again, that's what the new birth is. It's a revelation of who God is. He's my father. I'm his child. I am blessed because I belong to him. Hallelujah. Amen. So, so again, you know, here, here would be the canker worm come along and, oh, he would replace it with a substitute. In those days, it was a ridiculous substitute. This is how far they had strayed away from the book of Acts experience. They started with a, taking a wafer, putting it on the tongue and said, receive ye the Holy Ghost. Drink a, and then the priest drank a sip of wine. The only stimulation it had, and it, the priest got it. But you got the Holy Ghost. This is how you got it. You know, the Protestant come along, and it was just come and join, shake a hand. Look at Billy Graham's deal. You know, everybody who wants Christ walked down to the, walked down to the front, and 50,000 come and move. Pentecostal, you know, instead of having the Holy Ghost, they do the same thing. You know, join, you know, and uh, come and join, shake a hand, speak in tongues, manufacture a tongue. You, you, you know what message community does? It tells you you got the Holy Ghost without knowing it. You don't have to have the experience. And that's no different than a Catholic communion or Baptist hand, handshake or a church joining. Amen. And, and, you know, and, they, and now there's another personality called that just says push play and you got it. There wasn't somebody come around and shook a hand in the upper room. Come on. Amen. No, there wasn't somebody come up and say, join the church. Stick out your tongue. Here comes the sound of the priest down the aisle shuffling his feet. And he's got the wine and the bread and says, stick out your tongue and receive the Holy Ghost. That's not how it came. No, that's not. A, but, but what came down with a sound, not of the priest. Amen, but the sound of a rushing mighty wind that filled the house where they were sitting. Amen, and and it come right down to the leaves and poured over the bark. And first thing you know, they were all frolicking in the Holy Ghost. Amen. Don't you love that? Amen. Now, as we just look at this for a moment, you say, but Brother Tim, but you see, we're, not in that season. You see, that was okay for them, and that's all right for the back there. But today, we are in the opening of the Word. And so, you know, we have the knowledge of the gospel and the doctrines restored. And so we're in the, you know, the Word, opening of the Word, we're, we're beyond all of that. And Brother Branham said in the Feast of the Trumpets, Brother Joe, you read this the other night. There will come a messenger in the last day. will guide the people back to the first fruit. 
back to the original faith. Granted, Lord, that the great messenger among us, the great Christ, the Holy Spirit made vivid, made understanding, opening up the word and revealing it to us. May he guide them back to original Pentecostal faith. So think of that. This again is the opening of the word guides you back to the original Pentecostal faith, not something different. As he says in Why Little Bethlehem, he said, what we need today is an opening of the word that lives. I see a lot of this we call an opening of the word that kills. Amen. But we need one that lives. Somebody with me? Amen. Oh, yeah, they can say whatever they want to, call it spiritist devil. As long as the word is flowing free and producing exactly what it's said to do, it's a fountain in the house of David again, back in Bethlehem, where that Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever, to his Bethlehem dwellers. Live with it. Live in it. It's a life journey in water for us as Israel had. A tree planted. Not happenstance. A tree planted by the rivers of living water. Brother Bradham told us that our danger in this age was that we had got away from the living fountain. Notice a restored tree is restored because it is there planted by the rivers of living water. It's got to have the resource to continually flow. I want you to know in the dry times, it's there. In the, in the drought, it's there. In the springtime, it's there. It's all the time. Its leaf doesn't wither because they're planted in the fountain of living water. Amen. Notice again, Brother Bannon would preach the sermon, Broken Cisterns. And he says in Jeremiah 2.13, for my people have committed two evil. One, they have forsaken me, and I'm the fountain of living water. And they have dug, second, here's the other evil, they have dug cisterns. And then he says even some of them are broken cisterns that cannot hold water. Now, of course, again, a cistern, and then it becomes broken where it just really has nothing. But as a cistern, you see, it's there in a cistern that parasites thrive in that old, stale, stagnant waters. You see, they don't really live in the fresh water of the Holy Spirit. That's why they're firmly against the word, you see, the message, because it is a living water, and, the, and, and they, parasites, need a stagnated stream to swim in or wiggle in. A stagnant pool. Are you still with me? A stagnant pool becomes a home to wiggle tails. Unclean spirits like frogs, tadpoles, snakes, and leeches. When you see a man that is so filled with bitterness that it drives him out of church, has no confidence in a God-ordained and God-sent ministry and criticizes the work of God, always finding fault, just remember, it's an evil spirit 
that draw, drives someone out of the house of God. And it's because they are drinking from a stagnated pool. That's why a continual renewing of the Holy Ghost is needed. I want you to get it. It's needed. A continual renewing, a bubbling up. John 4 and 14, Jesus talked about the water that he provides. He says, but whosoever drinketh the water I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up, springing up into everlasting life. Let me read the Amplified. Whoever drinks this water that I give him will never be thirsty again. But the water that I give him will become in him a spring of water, satisfying his thirst for God, welling up continually, flowing, bubbling within him to a eternal life. John 7, Jesus again in the last day, in verse 37, John 7, 37, the last day, that, that great day of the feast. How many believes were here? The last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried and said, if any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scriptures have said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Amen. But this he spake of the spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. But the Holy Ghost was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. You see, parasites cannot grow in that water. They cannot thrive there. Bitterness and fault finding, it just keeps flushing it out. Amen. Keeps flushing it out. Little ups against one another keeps just flushing out. It can't thrive there. When you've got the Holy Ghost bubbling up, it keeps pushing out enmity and jealousy and strife and, and bitterness and fussing and fighting and quarreling and brings a unity of the spirit. That's why Brother Branham told us in Christ the mystery of God revealed, he said, now, he said, uh, love one another. No matter what the devil tries to say, you're all one great big sweet group now. But remember my warning, Satan won't let it stay that way. No, sir, he'll shoot. He'll shoot everything. If he's got to bring somebody in to make his target, he'll bring some critic or unbeliever in, set him down, cause him to fellowship with you under the quietness of things. Then he'll shoot that guy with some kind of poison stuff. He'll start right through the church with it. Don't you take sides with it. Don't you have nothing to do with it. You stay right loving and sweet and kind to one another. Pray for that man that he'll be saved too or that woman, whoever it is, just pray for them. Stick close together. Stay with your pastor. He's your shepherd. And you give him your respects. He'll lead you through and cause he's ordained of God to do so. Now you remember that the enemy will come and when he does this clean that much closer together and the one that the devil is using for an enemy will either get out or come in and be one of you, that's all. 
Don't ever clan among one another. Talk, make yourself clannish. We are one. I couldn't say left hand, I'm mad at you. I'm going to take you away because you're not a right hand. He's my left hand. I want it to stay there. Every little chip of my finger, I want to stay there. I want it to stay right there. Every little part of my body, stay right there. And God wants us as a body believer to stay right exactly with one another, right with one another. You got to take some discipline in the church, how we behave ourselves in the church of God, how we come here together, sit together in heavenly places. Don't stay home. If God's in your heart, you can hardly wait for them doors to open out yonder to get in here to fellowship with your brothers. If you don't feel that way, then I tell you, it's time that you get to praying. Because we're in the last days where the Bible exhorted us that much more we see that day approaching to love one another with Christian love and divine love to assemble ourselves together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus and love one another. And this shall all men know you're my disciples when you have love for the other. Stay right together. And if the brother you think he's a little wrong or the sister, you say, Lord, don't never let me have a root of bitterness spring up because it'll affect him. It'll take the Christ right out of my life. That poison acids of malice and jealousy and hatred that'll take the Holy Spirit right from you. It'll run him from the tabernacle here. It'll kill the Spirit of God or drive it away from here. It hurts your pastor. It'll do anything. Don't you do that. You just whacked that much closer together. Talk nice about one another. Say nice things about one another. And then God will bless you. Hallelujah. This is what God has said to the church. Amen. What is, don't let bitterness come in. Don't let let little odds come in. We're all human. We're subject to those things. But that's what the Holy Spirit is for, to boil that out. Don't let it take a root. Amen. Listen. I was in Israel some years ago, which is where I got this this topic on the people of the book. Because the people of the book, the Bible, the Jews, they had returned to the land of the book. While we were there, we went to the Dead Sea. And the Dead Sea is known in the Hebrew as the Sea of Death. It's also called the Sea of Lot. It's also called the Lake of Sodom. The salt in the Dead Sea is as high as 35%, nearly 10 times more than normal ocean water. And all that saltiness has meant there's no life in it. No fish, no vegetation, no sea animals, nothing lives in it. That Dead Sea, that's where it gets his name, Dead Sea. Just north of there is another sea. It's called the Sea of Galilee. I ate fish out of that sea. I went there and took a boat. And I got out in the, in the boat there and we were out there where with the testimony on the sea and we played that part of the tape and the spirit of God just come down and we just had a jubilee as we looked around and I'm seeing 
These are the mountains Jesus looked at. This is the sea, Jesus. There's the the towns. There's There's where the maniac was. There was this one. There's that one. There's this. All of these miracles that had taken place. And I'm right here in the sea. The Sea of Galilee is just north of the Dead Sea. Both the Dead Sea and the Sea of Galilee received their water from the same source. One of them is, uh, that source is the River Jordan, but you know, both of these seas are very, very different. The Sea of Galilee is resplendent with rich and colorful marine life. There's lots of plants, lots of fish. There's life in it. The same region, same source of water. Yet one sea is full of life. And the other is the sea of death. The water River Jordan flows to the Sea of Galilee. And it flows out of it. You hear what I said? It flows in and flows out. And that keeps the sea healthy and vibrant and teeming with marine life. Because it's constantly being flushed out. New life coming in. Vigorating water coming in. But not only that, it's being pushed out and goes out. And flows out to water hundreds of acres elsewhere. It's life goes out bringing life many other places. The Dead Sea takes its water from the River Jordan and it holds it. You see, it's below sea level. And all of it, and it has no outlet, so it just all flows into it. It's always flowing in and flowing in and flowing in and flowing in and flowing in. But there's no outlet flowing out. Some people's religion is a Dead Sea. That's all they are. They're just a collection of quotes, scriptures, this and that and the other, but they're dead. There's no revigorating life. It's not giving birth. It's not teeming with life. There's no refreshing coming and flowing through it. It's just, it just becomes stagnant. What flows in it becomes stagnated. I'm trying to get you a picture. Jesus said the Holy Spirit would not be like a dead sea. It would be a river of living water. Gushing out. Purging out. Pushing out the parasites. Pushing out the unbelief. Pushing out the bitterness. The doubt. The fear. All of that. It's got to have a flow. Hallelujah. Amen. Oh, yeah, the, the Dead Sea can get choppy when the wind blows. But, you know, you know just dancing ain't going to do it, church. It's got to have a flow out where the sick are healed, the dead are raised, miracles happen, deliverance come. We got to have a rapture in this age. We got to have a people with not just faith, but a rapturing faith. But I got some good news for you. The Dead Sea will not always be dead. 
in Ezekiel chapter 47 and verse 9, it speaks of its restoration too. It says swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. There will be large numbers of fish because the water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm telling you, I don't care how long you've been dead. Hallelujah. I will restore, saith the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm going to flow the Holy Spirit through this bride. She will not be a sea of death. She'll be a sea of life. She'll bring more life. Your experience with God may have been a genuine experience, but you can't let that get old and stagnant. Manna could not last another day. It bred worms and stank, even though it was real manna. But if you come into the holiest of holies, in the Shekinah glory, that same manna would last forever. To every generation. Parasites of unbelief have got to be flushed out. Fear. Parasites of bitterness. Parasites of complacency. And, and satisfaction where you're just satisfied where you're at. All of that's got to be flushed out. Your manna cannot become stink. It must be fresh. Your river has to flow. And if you'll further your experience in the holiest of holies, stay in the Shekinah glory, your manna will always be fresh. But when you get so full of stagnation, lovers of stagnation, where somebody, when we try to, when, when, when the word comes and tries to get you, respond, move in the spirit, let it flow through you, let it move in your life, and you resist. You become a stagnated stream. Broken cisterns. See, denomination makes stagnant pools where men can live with women, then women can carry on cutters, hair, and wear shorts and everything else and call themselves Christians. The same thing can happen in a message community where the churches become a stagnant pool and unclean spirits of pornography and divorce, remarriage, every kind of unclean spirit is going on. But as we close this morning, I want to just close on a, on a real positive thought. And of course, as we come to that, I want you to remember there's all kinds of things that will try to stop up your well. Beaver dams that will come. That's why preachers have to be beaver, beaver dam blowers. Blow up those dams. Dams of unbelief and doubt and fear and everything else. Blow them out with the dynamite power of the word of God. And let the word of God flow. Brother Branham said, we got too many beaver dam preachers today. 
that wants that. But he said, get the logs out of your experience. And I'm closing on this scripture. 2 Kings 3.19. Here's where Elijah told them to, to dig the valley full of ditches. The more you dig out, the deeper you make it. The more you get rid of yourself, the more the Holy Spirit's going to flow and fill you. Is somebody with me now? 2 Kings 3, 19, and ye shall smite every fenced city and every choice city and fell every good tree and stop up all the wells of water and mar every good piece of land with stones. Now, he's talking about what they're going to do to the enemy. After you, you dig this valley full of ditches, you're going to have such a victory that you're going to smite every fence city, everything that's been walled off from you, every choice city, and you're going to fell every good tree and stop up all wells of water and more every good piece of land with stone. So if you just dig deep enough until this building gets filled with the Holy Ghost, and people are healed and filled with the Spirit of God and out on the streets are screaming and praising God and giving testimony and everything else. You start digging with all your heart there. And when you get over into the land where all the unbelievers are, you're going to take your well, you're going to take your stone of testimony. This is what God did for me. He filled me with the Holy Ghost. Amen. This is my testimony. And we're going to stop up those wells of doubt and unbelief. Those stagnated wells that is growing parasites. Come on, somebody. Amen. We're going to see the Holy Spirit move. Amen. It won't be by man's might or by man's power, but by my spirit, saith God. Hallelujah. What have we been doing? We have been taking stones of testimony. Stones that God heals cancer. We got Atlanta stone. We have Danette stone. We have, amen. We, we have Sister Wilson stone. We have every one of them. Come on. We got other stones. We got stones of testimony. Young people delivered. Children set free. The power of God moved them. We're taking those testimonies and we're stopping up the mouth of every devil and saying, we are delivered. For he said, I will restore, saith the Lord. The bride tree will live again. Let the musicians come right now. Hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. Can somebody rejoice with me right now? Hallelujah. That old devil of doubt that said you'll never make it. You can never overcome. Your family can never be healed. That you can never have victory. Amen. We got stone after stone to stop up your mouth, old devil. We're the children of the most high God. Looking back there, seeing Sister Linda. And Brother Ross sitting together. Restored home. Restored marriage. 
restored people because God said, I will restore, saith the Lord. I heard the other night the Spirit of God say what you've seen in the natural, you're going to see in the supernatural. We're going to go right down right now. We're going to pray for Brother Ross. Amen. We believe that there's nothing too hard for the Lord. They're not even cancer. Not even cancer. Amen. He is the healer, the deliverer. Come on. Our God reigns. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? That's good, Brother Ross. Come on out here. Amen. Take a step of faith right now. Hallelujah. Amen. Doctors have given up, but that don't make God give them up. Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, we believe the word of promise. We'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Today I curse this cancer in the name of the Lord. The spirit of the living God is against you, Satan. Even as we see the family restored, Lord, may be health be restored in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We shall lay hands on the sick. In my name, we will cast out devils. We will speak with new tongues. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. How many wants to praise God in advance? Amen. Wave those arms. The wind of the Spirit is moving. Amen. Bring those young people right now that are going to be baptized this morning. These young children, we're going we're gonna to pray with them right now in Jesus' name. And he said, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. Amen. We got Elaine here. Where's Nevaeh at? She's coming right now. Bless you, child, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Lord. And they shall be there in their offspring with them. Lord, this is our promise. We lay hands upon them as they would prepare for the they would prepare for the water. May you prepare their hearts, Lord, now. As we would take them and baptize them with water, baptize them with the Holy Ghost. I ask in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Power of the Holy Ghost come. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Lord. at home hospice he said he wants to pray for his salvation that he'll make the things right with the Lord amen let's just believe for that need right now father Lord you see this man Lord that's been away from you David Joyner lost don't know you struck down with this cancer Lord the cancer that's 
been in his life as that cancer of sin ate away, Lord, the foundations and his hope. Lord, his hope of knowing you and as his Savior. We ask, Lord, in these moments that you would come and you would just touch him, Father, and make him soft in your presence, Lord, to find you in these moments. Lord, we know there's nothing too hard for you. We just ask, God, you'd have your way in his life. We commit him into your hands, the hands that we can trust in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's just sing that only believe. Only
this young lady, Sister Nevaeh, that has surrendered her heart to the Lord, and we've seen the Holy Spirit move on her life, and God deal with her and, and her family. We're so proud to see what God has done for uh, Brother James and Sister Crystal Cutchall and their family, and see where one by one that God has just dealt with their hearts and lives, and Today, we're going to bring little sister Nevaeh to the Lord and baptize her in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Today, she takes on that name. It's the name that's, as I say often, above all names. We're going to baptize her in scriptural formula uh, as the Bible tells us to do. Sister Nevaeh, the Lord Jesus has sent me to preach the gospel and to baptize those that believe. And he commissioned us to baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. In obedience to that divine command, I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. Isn't God good to us? He's so wonderful. And they shall be there and their offsprings with them. This is the promise of the Lord. The promise to you, to your children, to them that are far off. You say, well, you know, Brother Tim, this one coming here is too young. How, how old are you, Elaine? You're seven. I gave my heart to the Lord when I was five. You're not too young to give your heart to Jesus. We want to thank you, Lord, for giving a hold of this little life. The Lord Jesus commissioned me to feed the lambs and to feed the sheep. And this is something that we do here at this church is we not only feed sheep food, but we we feed the lambs, the lamb food, that milk of the word of God that they can grow by. Little little Sister Lane, the Lord Jesus sent Brother Tim to preach the gospel. He commissioned me to baptize those that believed on him in, the, in his name. In fact, he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost. That's why today, in obedience to that divine command, I baptize you, my little sister, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. God's doing some wonderful things among us. Amen. Brother Ross had requested he sing, so we're going to let him sing. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Let's just worship the Lord together. Just 
Hey. 